Do you like beer? Do you want to learn how to make your own beer? It's time for Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Here's your host, Jeremy White and Bert Deister. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It here on ESPN 1520. Uh, last week, we talked about brewing for competitions, and we've got news on that. Jeremy White, Bert Deister with you. Uh, any episode available on demand at WGR's website and ESPN 1520 as well. All right, so the latest on the brew competition, we have a, we have a deadline today. Today. So uh, if you have entries for the Taste of Homebrew competition, if you want those big bragging rights to come down and say, hey, you know what I mean? Do you want to come try my beer? Yeah, where do I go? Taste of Buffalo. Um, today's the day. So to go online, take a look at the categories. If you have something to turn in, there's a kind of easy form to fill out there. So you can have the labels printed out with all your information on it, the whole entry form. Um, and again, the deadline is today. So it's close of business, 4 o'clock today at the store. There's a couple of other places. I know 12 Gates, if you're in the South Towns, is also a drop-off location. Okay. Very good. Limited categories, though, light styles. For, light the, styles. the website has all the styles? It has all the styles listed out. There, there's no way I can tell you, oh, it's, there's, if I wish I could say, oh, anything under 6.5% or, you know, categories 1 through 20, you know what I mean, or, you know, 18. It's not quite how they have it yeah. laid out. So and, they have the individual styles listed out on the website. And this is the kind of situation where it's a summer, while it is cold and you might be thinking – you know, stouts and dark beers. It's a competition for the summer, so that's why most of the styles are yeah. light. And it's a home brewer. You want to brew ahead. Yep. And they've had problems in the past. Like I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago for the Erie County Fair, the beer that won was a barrel-aged Baltic Porter. That is also a summer event. Yeah, for right. For those of you who don't know what a Baltic Porter is, it's a very roasty, very dark, very high alcohol lager. Yeah, you just described it. It sounds delicious. Like it right, does. right, right about, now, right now, it yeah, sounds it'd be fantastic. Perfect. Drinking that in the summer is going to be tough. August. Yeah. Uh, also coming up, the Amber Waves Grain Homebrew Competition. The deadline for that is March thirty first. Mm-hmm. Competition is April thirteenth and fourteenth. This is uh, the granddaddy of Western New York and upstate. Do I say upstate? I mean. I say Whatever. upstate. Yeah. I say western and upstate. Yeah, yeah I think okay. we can divide. New York is a big state. You can divide it into three regions. Okay. You know what I mean? Upstate, it's a day drive to, It's a whole day's drive to the Adirondacks. Yeah. And what's that? Upstate? That'd be upstate. Okay, upstate. Yeah. And downstate is the city. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, it's a big one. Amber Waves of Grain. Deadline is March 31st. Competition will be the April 13th and 14th. Uh, are you submitting anything this year? I'm going to try to. Yeah. <laughs> I have some beers around that I have to take a look at. Um, and being our, one of our busier seasons, it's always hard for me to get beers together. Also to force myself to bottle some beers. I do have a beer gun, and so if I have some good beers on tap when the competition deadline rolls around, I'll usually throw something into a beer gun. But to really force myself to bottle 55 beers after having a kegging system for years is tough. Mm. So I've been trying to bottle here and there uh, so I have entries when competition time comes around. So I'm forcing myself to bottle a couple of batches every year. I got a neighbor who I saw yesterday, and he asked me. He, he's a big home brewer. He said, when are we getting together and brewing a batch? And got to do it soon, you know, between football season and moving and getting married for me. Like, I'm embarrassed to be like how long it's been. Um, but, uh, you know. It How? happens. People tend to brew yeah, in waves. Yeah. I do it. I do it in myself, and I think I it may be coming full circle as a home brewer. I know how that's going to happen. If I take some time off, if I take a couple of days off, I'm usually trying to brew ahead of time. So I have projects during that time off that I'm racking, that I'm bottling, that I'm kegging, that I'm brewing. Um, so that when I do have the time to set aside for a hobby like this, that I can do it in mass. And, and I can get a lot out of my day's kind of work 
um, on one brew day and kind of move one batch, start one batch, and finish one batch if preferably. But it's completely understandable. People yeah. brew in waves. We're, we're not professionals at this. It's big secret. You can go buy good beer at the store too. <laughs> right. But it's a little more satisfying to brew it yourself. And so it's – yeah, no, it, it happens. If you brew in waves, life events hit you. You know what I mean? You're not able to keep up necessarily. and It happens. One more bit of housekeeping. Want to keep people aware of March 9th. The Art of Beer. It's the 12th annual Art of Beer, Western New York's original beer tasting event. Over 20 vendors, over 75 menu items, $35 for pre-sale tickets. This is food and beer. Yes, and all are included. It's not only, you know, drink what you like. It's also an eat what you like event. And um, this is one of the few events where normally when you go to something like this, you go out and usually get dinner with friends first. Then you go to the event. I would say kind of change your plans a little bit. Hold off, try maybe have an after-work snack uh, because there's a lot of food at this event. And so uh, there'll be a lot to try. You're going to want to save some space. Very good. So that's the 12th annual Art of Beer. $35 for pre-sale tickets for that. And proceeds go to the Niagara, Niagara Arts and Cultural Center. Yes, the knack, as they say. All right, so... On to uh, indoor brewing today, converting to indoor brewing, which uh, I think is great because it's cold and it's relentlessly cold. Yeah, it's been a cold winter. And, and you're talking about how sometimes you end up brewing in waves. One of the things that can stop you from brewing is certainly the weather, whether it's you know the summer and it's, it's too bloody hot or if it's in the winter like now and, and you're just having trouble keeping, you know, mash tons warm and, you know, trying to make, you know, normally like in the summer, I would say if I'm brewing uh, in the garage, a propane tank will last me through three beers. Um, I'm probably getting one batch out of, I will say two thirds to half a propane tank if I decide to just brew out in the driveway in a cold night. If I just want to brew out right out behind the back door, I don't want to move everything into the garage. It could take me up a full, full propane tank. Um, to keep everything heated throughout the process. If you got two to three burners going constantly for two to three hours, you're sending a lot of that heat straight to the outside. And so one of the simple answers to make it not only, say, easier on your propane bill, um, but easier on yourself is to try to bring the brewing inside. Um, you're more likely to do it. If you have a setup in the basement somewhere, or if it's just a couple of things you got to get up and bring up to the kitchen, you're more than likely to brew if you can brew inside in a nice, you know, warm environment. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the first thing we have to look at is, I, I guess we're going to kind of address this issue. You could always just brew on the home stove. And I think for a lot of people is they don't want to go back to doing extract because they consider it some sort of defeat. And I think after you're doing the whole process, you want to be there for all those steps. If you have the time to set aside, you want to do the all grain. And a lot of times what happens to a home stove is obviously it just doesn't have the BTUs or one strong enough burner to boil the full batch. Um, I know this is a problem for me. I have a, an electric stove. Yeah. I like it for some of the safety reasons. Obviously, for like you know cooking on the top, especially small dishes, it can create some problems. You always got to have that extra burner that's cold and open so you can slide stuff around. Mm -hmm. um, and for the brewing, it's horrible. Yeah, um, yeah. It, it is the worst. It, it is like one of those fancy like combo like element infrared or I'm sorry. Uh, you know, glass top electric quick heating stove. So it yep. doesn't have a great BTU and it's horrible for brewing. Yeah, I, I brewed initially on gas, then went because I moved to a different apartment to electric and now back to gas. And it's, yeah, 
I mean, you you need a badge of honor for brewing on an electric top. Yeah. Because it's not just whether or not it has the power. Um, if you need to take the heat off, it takes time for the heat to come off, as opposed to you know killing a flame. Flame's gone. Yeah. It's just and. If you're on a glass top stove, you turn the, the burner off, it's still going to be hot. Yeah. The heat source is still there. And it um I, I made a couple of uh, you know, changes. So when I do brew in the kitchen, I'll brew sometimes all grain too, but I'll brew three gallons because it easily boils. So if you're looking for one way to get it inside without buying any extra equipment, you know, lower your batch size. Um and this is kind of part of my I should be bottling more, you know, uh initiative. I'm also making smaller batches or smaller boils, so they heat up quicker. Uh, I'm done a lot faster because not only are they quicker to heat, they're quicker to mash, they're quicker to boil, they're quicker to chill. Um, and so all in all, I'm done a lot sooner. I'm getting three gallons, which is a little over a case of beer. But that's the easiest way to do it. But most people aren't going to accept that. We talked the start of the program with, you know, if you can set aside the time to brew, you want to, you know, uh, maximize your product for the amount of time you put there. And so that's why a lot of people kick out to the garage to do 10-gallon batches, 8-gallon batches, um, just because they don't have the power to kind of boil that inside, which is a lot of people, I think, bottleneck when it comes towards indoor brewing. Um, and there's a lot more options out there than there used to be. 10 years ago. So um, 10 years ago, I think I got an independent cooking like burner, mm-hmm. similar to what you would see at a, we'll say like a Chinese food restaurant, you know what I mean? Meant to heat a single pot, standalone unit, ran off of natural gas. Um, but even that at the time was expensive, cumbersome, and not a lot of people doing it. So there wasn't like, oh, here's a checklist of what you need to do before you do that. And so I think one of the things we're going to do today is kind of give you a checklist for if you're trying to brew with natural gas or electric inside a house, what do you need to think of besides just you know, whatever element burner that you're going to need to purchase to get the ball rolling on it. Okay. So another thing we have to address, propane. Brewing with propane indoors is really just out of the question. There's the carbon monoxide, you know, worry. And and not only should you always have a carbon monoxide in your house, whether you're brewing or not, you should, if you're brewing, especially with natural gas, you should have one around. You should have a fire extinguisher. These are things, again, we're getting beyond a brewing show. You should have a carbon monoxide detector and a fire extinguisher in your house near any consistent source of flame. um, And brewing is no different. Um, The other big danger with propane is not only the carbon monoxide, um, but it's the fact that you're dealing with a liquid gas under high pressure. So if you bring the propane tank in, there's a chance that you could have a leak somewhere. There's liquid propane, depending on your system, all the way from tank to regulator. So if you have some of those uh, burners that you see sold at a lot of the big box stores, and I have to admit, none of ours come like this. The regulator is all back at the tank, but the regulator is all the way at the burner. That means you have liquid propane over 900 PSI from tank all the way to regulator, wherever that is. And so the chance of a small leak that you don't see there coming up and then starting to build up in the room to the point where it could cause ignition is there, and it, it's high. Um, and you can't really trust your sniffer to say, oh, there, there's enough propane here to create ignition now. Yeah. So really the propane is out of the question. I use propane choice in my garage, partially because I don't have natural gas or any other option in my garage. Um, and I always have the extra long hose so I can leave the tank outside the garage and bring the burner 
inside. And then always obviously still leaving a door cracked open so that if there was a leak, it's obviously not going to build up anywhere. Right. So propane is out of the question. However, if you have a propane burner, that burner is not out of the question because a lot of the burners, especially the newer ones made for home brewing, so we're talking about um, the Blickman burners, who are obviously the first ones to do it, the Anvil burners, as well as the like the Brewer's Beast, or I'm sorry, Elements Brewing Series, all of these burners can be converted over to natural gas. So the burner that you use outside in the summer or on better days in the winter can also be the burner that you use inside the house, I mean the basement brew room or something like that, if you're willing to convert it. And it's a pretty easy conversion. You're just taking a pin valve, you're taking it out of the orifice, and you're putting the new pin valve in, a larger orifice, um, for the natural gas. So because the natural gas comes to your house in gas form at a relatively low PSI, um, it's able to just regulate the flow with just a simple pin valve. Um, you're going to have a shutoff valve, a supply line going to your burner, just like you would any home stove or anything like that. Um, but you can convert any burner that's not one of the jet-style burners, that's a single flame at the bottom, can be converted into a natural gas. And that's a really cheap, easy conversion as far as getting your heat. Now, you do need the you know 12 to 18 inches of open space in all directions. You're going to want some heat shielding. It's also going to be good as a kind of a vapor shield near a wall, above you, anywhere. So if you're doing this in the basement, you still might have to kind of remodel a small corner, almost like a bathroom, just to kind of you know prevent the humidity from going right up into your floorboards. Um, but the natural gas can be used in a propane burner, depending on the burner. Check to make sure. If it was one of the big, you know, brew brand burners you're good to go but if not you know you might want to invest in another burner so the natural gas is an option if you want to bring it inside all right let's get a break in on the other side we'll talk about all your electric options where there are more options uh some drawbacks some benefits we'll get to that as we continue it is niagara traditions just brew it here on espn 1520 moving your operation indoors on the way next Jeremy White here for Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. You're listening to Just Brew It, which means either you homebrew or you're thinking about it. Wherever you are in the process, Niagara Tradition Homebrew is your source for everything homebrewing. Do what I did. Get a starter kit, and you'll be well on your way. Niagara Tradition will be there to answer your questions, give you advice, and as I try to become a more seasoned brewer, I know I can count on Niagara Tradition to be there with the supplies and the advice I need. Niagara Tradition Home Brewing Supplies. 1296 Sheridan Drive, near Military, in Tonawanda. Open Monday through Friday, 11 to 7, Saturdays, 10 to 4, and 24-7 at nthomebrew.com. Niagara Tradition Homebrew. Pay them a visit, and remember to just brew it. All right, back here on Niagara Tradition's Just Brew It on ESPN 1520. Converting to in indoor brewing, we've already gone through propane and natural gas, and now on to electric. Electric. So... Here, the options are not only a lot cheaper than they used to be, they're there. Um, before, you had to contact a welder. You would buy a regular brew pot. You would have them weld in. I think it's a, the inch and a quarter or one inch uh, you know, thread fittings that you would get for a water heater element. You had to make your own control box. And then you could kind of make your own electric kettle for brewing. Now, there's a lot more 
options out there. So you have, you know, Blickman electric coils that can either be purchased in a G2 kettle or can come on their own. They're in 120 or 240 volts. And some of these Blickman brew kettles can actually heat water faster than some of their burners. So there's some advantage to going to electric. Um, there's the Turbo 500 burner. So that one's down below $200. There's the Grainfather brewing system. That's your whole all-grain brewing system if you're trying to move that inside um, for about $900. So there's a lot of different options on how you can kind of produce electric heat besides just your home stove. So besides brewing a three-gallon batch or something like I am, you can also buy one of these kind of electric, you know, brew kettles. Um, they're not like a, an element, like a hot plate and a kettle. They're all in one. You know, you just need a piece of plywood or a countertop to set them down on, um, and everything's self-contained. And again, the prices range on these from under $200, you know, all the way up to about $900. Um, but everything that is popular as far as Turbo 500, Grainfather, Blickman um, are all very reliable. These are, you know, uh, options have been out there all for over a year now um, and have been very, you know, they work. I, you know, I hate to say that, but I think for a while, for a lot of, I own something called an electro bim, um, which is basically a bucket with a water heating element on it and some like very fuzzy like wattage regulator on the, the front of it. And this thing, I don't, I say one, it was, I feel like a electrocution hazard, which you will always have when you're dealing with electric burners. So you always want to be running off, um, you know, a ground fault circuit interrupter. So a GFCI you want, you know, that control that if there is like some type of, you know, the water hazard and electricity that you have some protection in there against electrocuting yourself. But all these, you know, things are stainless steel. They're all very reliable. They all have grounds. My electro bin didn't have a ground, so the ground fault interrupter wouldn't do me any good anyways. Um, so I would use it with a surge protector. And then the fact that it was plastic, it would start changing shape slightly as it got up to a boil and then sometimes start to leak. Um, there's been no problems with leaking with any of the Blickman, you know, Turbo 500, um, any of these setups. The prices are a lot lower. I think I paid basically 200 bucks for an electric brewing element in a bucket. Um, again, the prices come way down. There's also brewing wands. So if you want to take your existing pot and put a wand in there to either supplement your home stove or use it in replacement of it, you can do that as well. So a wand that just hangs into the brew pot. So while there's a lot of cheap options for electric now that you can plug into your regular, you know, like you know, 120 system, so 110 you know, volt burner, um, you still have to call probably a professional if you're looking to kind of set up a brew room. Because regardless of whether you're doing natural gas or you're doing um, electric, you're creating a lot of heat humidity and you need to get that out of the house. Um, you know, a window, if you're doing electric and you have a you know, you're doing it in a basement and there's a window that you can put a fan in, that may be enough. But you need to move a lot of CFMs whenever you're going to be brewing inside. And it's one of the reasons why I think I've kind of defaulted back to the kitchen. Even when I set up my grandfather, I'm setting it up right on top of the stove, is because it already has the ventilation, which is the one thing I do not have in the basement. Um, and so it's not really an option for me right now. 
the humidity is going to get up into your, you know, your floorboards. It's going to get into your walls. It's going to cause paint to peel. This is a lot of water boiling. So you need some way to get that air moving out of there to pull fresh, dry air in. So that's always, I think, for people, the big kind of wall that they have to overcome is, again, getting that ventilation somewhere in the house. Um, it's a, another reason why I think, like, again, the uh, Turbo 500 boiler, uh, the Blickman especially, uh, brew kettles are very popular because if you already have an area that has ventilation, any of these things can be set up either regular brew pot, you know what I mean? They look like mm -hmm. a pot. You could take the element out. You could put it onto a burner, but otherwise you can just set it on top of your stove right underneath your regular, you know, ventilation and just plug it into either the outlet the stove was plugged into, plug it into a secondary, you know, 120 volt outlet and you're ready to roll. So a lot of these options will make it a lot easier. You'll be able to brew in your kitchen in that comfort, um, and you'll be boiling, especially some of these Blickman options, faster than you would have been outside on natural gas or something like that. So it's a lot easier. Mm -hmm. So you have to worry about the ventilation. There's always some other things. So if you are making that um, like brew room, if you're that lucky that you can make something like that in the basement. So you need to worry about ventilation. You have to worry about the humidity still, and you want some heat shielding as well as some vapor shielding. Um, so you basically have to make the brew room like you would a bathroom. Um, you're also going to need GCFIs in that room because if you want electric for pumps, you know, for controllers, um, you know, for a stereo, you're dealing with water in an enclosed space. You now need to worry about electrical shock. Um, you also want to have both water in and out in this brew room. So if you are getting water there for, say, chilling, filling up fermenters, you're also it would be nice to have it there for rinsing out fermenters for, you know, when you go to chill for being able to run the water off somewhere um, and being able to get rid of trub and stuff like that. So you want kind of, you know, a nice area where you can make a little bit of a mess. Um, again, so if you are kind of building a brew room, you're thinking about a bathroom, you know what I mean? Some place where you can pretty much mop the entire place, you know what I mean? And a fermentation chamber would be nice, quite nice as well. I think this, the, the last couple of minutes of this program have kind of turned into me dreaming about a basement brew room is I think what we're getting right now. A basement now. brew room. I, I would absolutely love one. Like a laboratory, basically. basically. Yeah. Like a man cave that's beer styled. Yeah. How many people have something like that? A lot. Yeah. A lot of my customers. Have you they, been into like laboratories? Yes. Breweries, I guess is the right yeah. word. Yeah. No, the, the standard thing is again to it, you know, pick a room in the area in the basement. You know, most of us here in Western New York have unfinished stone basements. Um, you know, usually people, if they're thinking ahead and they can do it where the floor drain is already in the basement, that's where they do it. They're going to hang, you know, two by four walls. They're going to hang some type of, you know, drywall vapor barrier paint it, put in the ventilation, usually going right out of the basement, and they have a nice little isolated brew room. You can also use this into your fermentation chamber. So you can, you know, install some type of cooling or warming device in there, maybe a little electric heater so you can keep this whole area a little bit warmer, a little bit colder than the rest of the basement. And it's nice, but if you're a home brewer, you're basically putting in a small commercial brewery into your basement. It can get quite expensive. Um, and it is... I would say at my, you know, age right now, still at a lifelong, 
goal to have that like downstairs kind of yeah. brew room laboratory where I can set my stuff. It won't be in the way, you know, the rest of the week when I'm not brewing. But for most of us, um, including myself and you, we're still in the kitchen or in the garage or in the driveway. And so I think it's best to kind of, you know, not look at that whole basement laboratories we're talking about but try to kind of plan for the immediate future and make things a little bit easier in the kitchen mm -hmm. and the easier we make it the less of a mess we make it the more like we are to brew because it's going to be easier for us to do and we're going to make our housemates a little less mad yeah you know? of all the things that you might want down there it's funny like talking to guys when they're in a brewery like um you know they're they're brewing up here it's local breweries and uh i think the floor drain is like the best feature Oh yeah, the, 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 for the spills, for grain, any, anything that hits the floor, like you can just tell that right down the hole. What <laughs> a valuable tool that is! Just like, oh, all right, we had a spill. You know, usher it over here; it'll filter it out. And like, yeah. No, I remember when um, Flying Bison um, was, you know, a first uh, assembled over on uh, uh, Ontario, uh, right by Skill in there. That the the biggest thing to me is it was coming in, and we've known these guys as home brewers. And they were like, oh, check out our new pump. Check out this, you know what I mean, mash ton, you know, that we have to get in to clean. Isn't that cool? Um, you know, check out this fermenter. And for me, the the fanciest part was the fact that they had up on the wall hot water on demand, and then there was a big floor drain. So everything that they cleaned, you know, anybody who's tried to take a 15-gallon, you know, um, kettle and tried to, like, turn it into a stink to, like, dump out the trub, you know, knows how much nicer it would be if you could just open up the valve and spray water in the top and just send all the stuff right out into a floor drain. And that to me is the creme de la creme. If you have a floor drain that you can dump your trub and your, you know, sediment into, you pretty much have a mini microbrewery. If we had to set a line somewhere there, when it crossed from like amateur home brewery into miniature microbrewery, I don't think it's a conical fermenter. You know what I mean? I don't think that it's like steam jacketed mash tons. I, I think it's the floor drain. I think out of everything, the floor drain is the creme de la creme for home brewing. Yeah. All right, 90 seconds to go. Well, any any final housekeeping notes we need before the end of today's show? No, we have Art of Beer coming again. Today is the deadline for the Taste of Buffalo homebrew competition. And again, this is a really cool competition. Um, if you've never entered a competition before, you're still going to get that wonderful feedback. So you're going to get from two to three judges a full one-page report of everything that's good and everything that's bad about the beer that you just entered. So even if you don't think you're going to win – it's great to enter competitions. It's really going to make you um, a better brewer. And if you're missing this one, there's another one coming. So, you know, put the nose to the grindstone. Bottle up a batch. It's painful. I know. I just did it twice this week. Um, and save some of those bottles to enter into competition. Because not only do you have a chance at winning, you know what I mean, with just about any beer, um, you also will get a lot of great feedback, and that's the guarantee. All right. That's it for us. Converting to indoor brewing this week. Reminder of your deadlines today for the Taste of Buffalo homebrew competition. Uh, annual Art of Beer comes up March 9th. That's uh, not sure you're not going to submit anything for that. You're just going to go eat and drink. Mm -hmm. March 9th, uh, 20 plus vendors, the Art of Beer. And Amber Waves of Grain deadline is March 31st. I'm sure we'll do much more with that leading up to it. For Bert Deister, I'm Jeremy White. This has been Niagara Traditions Just Brew It back next week here on ESPN 1520. Beer, 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 beer. You've been 
listening to Just Brew It, brought to you by Niagara Tradition Home Brew. Whether you're a seasoned brewer or just want to get started, visit them at 1296 Sheridan Drive in Tonawanda or online at nthomebrew.com. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Just Brew It. 